Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Awesome. Uh, We are kicking off a new series here called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Say it with me. It's okay. Whoa. (laughs) It's okay. Not to be okay. It's okay. Not to be okay. We want you guys to know that it really is okay not to be okay. Uh, I think many times as we walk through life, especially if you're you're a Christian, you've been a Christian, or just started off this walk with Jesus, you find that in our community, as far as Christians and our uh, the people we join with, that people often find it awkward to talk about. One, like how you're actually feeling in the moment, like things like mental health, anxiety, depression. People be like, oh man, that's, that's just something you just got to give to God, which is true for sure. But they often glaze over it and don't address it scripturally. And so what we want to do with you guys for the next six weeks is to walk through this and give you biblical context on what it means to walk through all those uh, issues, all those things that are, you're working through, struggling with, and how to give them to God. And we're kicking this off uh, with learning how to lament in a broken world. So if you're a person who takes notes, I always advise you you to do so. The first uh, time in this series, we're talking about what it means to lament. And at the end of the series, if you guys have not followed us on Instagram, Britt, our associate director, posted about how we're going to have a panel. And at that panel, we'll have uh, a therapist, an awesome lady who's uh, skilled in that field to come together to talk with us. And we'll have also a pastor, Steve Day, who heads our care ministry here on campus and a few other people for an open panel. So if you have questions you want to have uh, answered for that sixth week of our series, please DM us on Instagram so we can work through this. Now, again, we are here. Why we, why we exist ultimately is to equip you guys to be able to live and love like Jesus. And this is one of those ways, being able to address our mental health and things like that, that even scripture talks about and people in, in the Bible are working through as well. So what I'm going to do the next few minutes, few seconds actually, is invite you guys to actually stand up, right? We're going to read this scripture together. And this is our text for this evening. So if you have a Bible and you want to uh, put your finger in this space, it will be Psalms 13, 1 through 6. If you have an iPhone or Android or green screen phone. It has a Bible app. Praise God. Psalm 13, 1 through 6. I'm reading out of the ESV, and we're going to read uh, and just follow this together. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has power to change our life. We ask as we uh, spend time, Lord God, worshiping over this text together as family, as friends, as people who've come to seek your heart, Lord, that you go ahead, allow us to see you, allow us to trust you, and be honest with you and our friends amongst us, Lord God, so we can grow in unity as you call us to our purpose in you. We praise you. Yes, we pray. Everybody said, amen. You may have your seat. You may have your seat. Like I said earlier, the purpose of the next six weeks is to challenge us, our students, ourselves, our leaders, all of us, to acknowledge our own suffering and to plead with God for his intervention. Okay? What we're learning about is lament. And lament is not complaining. It's not like, ah, oh, this just didn't happen. Ah, oh, this is horrible. No, like, lament, as we describe it here, is a deep, soulful, heartfelt sorrow. Okay? This means you feel it in your bones, you feel it in your mind, you feel it in your heart. Have you ever felt the weight of emotion so much so that it makes you feel sick, you don't even get out of bed, right? This is what we're trying to walk through, to engage with these, these moments where we have deep grief, to have deep sorrow. We're not discounting that it happens. We must recognize that this happens and that lament is one of the things that, and the processes that we walk through as believers, See, the issue is for us, generally, we do not do well with suffering in general. We're okay with the understanding or the thought that someone else has the idea or the, uh, or the hurt or the issue or the struggle of depression or anxiety. But amongst us, it's like, that can happen to me. That would never happen to me. I'd never be in that position. And yet we see that that's actually not true. It's almost the unwritten rule amongst Christians to be fake. Meaning, like, when they ask you, how are you doing, you're more unlikely not to be honest and share how you're actually doing and just be like, what's your answer? I'm good. How are you doing, bro? Good. How are you doing, girl? Good. Like, that's your whole answer. And that's why when we're here, we push back against that answer and say, okay, what makes it good? Because you don't want you to have shallow relationship. We want you to have an open space where you can share and be real amongst us, amongst believers. What we don't want to have is a theology of celebration, which is true. The gospel is a gospel of joy. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And yet, we talked about last week in Isaiah 53 how it's also a bloody gospel. For you to have the freedom that you have now, Jesus had to die a horrible death. See, we don't have a theology of celebration at the cost of a theology of suffering. That makes the gospel incomplete. Like, what are you celebrating? Do you realize what you've been saved from? Are you broken over your own sin? Are you broken over the brokenness of the world? Like we have to have something that gives us a balance, that gives us a reason for us to rejoice. And yet we act like this story we heard earlier this week or listened to or read about these two fish, a big fish and a little fish, all hanging out in the ocean, right? Think Nemo, color orange, and what's the purple or blue fish's name? Thank you, Dory, right? So you got Nemo and Dory hanging out in the, in the ocean, the ocean blue. And what happens next is Big Fish talks to Little Fish and goes, yo, like, how's the water? And then Little Fish is like, what water? And it's like, we're, we're in it. Like, what do you mean? What water? And that's how we treat our emotions and the reality of how we're feeling. We're so quick to push them to the side, and yet we're drowning and living in a life as emotional people, we are deeply emotional people. And God made us that way, to be in his image. And we push against that, even in the church. And, but yet, we see we have a whole book called Lamentations. 
that reminds us that the proper response to tragedy, the proper response to issues, the proper response to brokenness is to lament. To lament. Now, we've talked about laments. We've talked about it's a deep, sorrowful grief, a deep like, like expression of your pain and giving it to God. And lament is the proper response for tragedy. Don't push against it. Don't act like it's not real. No, we push into it and say, God, this is where I am right now. I'm going to be real with you and real with the people around me so I can be healed and to do diligence with the Lord. What we're going to do in the next few seconds right here is to actually highlight what lament is by knowing what lament is and knowing what lament actually does. So what happens when you actually address or engage those real feelings you're working through? One, I want to highlight this, that lament is actually a part of the Christian experience. This is normal. This is normal. Jesus is dying on the cross. And what does he say? Father, why have you forsaken me? That's what he says. He is openly crying out to God saying, yo, this is, this is rough. This is difficult. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And I'm using Jesus because he's the epitome of who we are. He's the reason why we live, the reason why we exist. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is so caught up, so anxious that he's actually like sweating blood. So you can't say this high priest, this God, Jesus, the God-man, does not experience what you experience. No, he knows. I don't think any of us have ever sweat blood in a, a, a level of anxiety. But this is where he is. We see our heroes in the Bible like David. David. He goes, why are you downcast, oh my soul? We see people like Job. Job. Job who curses the day he was born. So this is, this is the line through the scripture. People are real and they're struggling, but they're crying out to God. Lament is part of the Christian experience too. Lament is uniquely Christian. See, we define lament as one, the way that we only, not only recognize our pain, but also we turn to God with it. So lament challenges us to acknowledge real suffering and to turn to God for intervention. Other people in the middle of their suffering, what do they do? They turn to drugs. They turn to sex. They turn to... Uh, cutting off other people. And then what happens is you end up being in a place where you're going deeper and deeper into a dark hole. See, lament is a uniquely Christian experience. Only you can feel pain and then turn to a God who can solve all your pain and heal all your pain. Lament also allows us to be honest before God and each other. Lament allows us to be honest before God and each other. Meaning, we're in this community. The Bible calls this the beloved, the family of the beloved. And in this community, you're able to be real. You have the opportunity. You have every experience, every moment to be real. By show of hands, how many of you guys are in a small group? Praise God. How many of you guys need to get in a small group? Look around. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Invite these guys to your small group, right? Why? Because it's in the context of that community, it's in the context of that space where you're able to be honest and there's freedom and you don't have to hide. Like this is a safe space for you to be able to come and to talk and to share and to grow. It encourages us to be honest before God and each other. Lament is also a form of prayer. We're going to see this in Psalms 13 and how David calls out to God 
And then the last thing is this, that lament does not allow us to avert to easy answers. We don't avert to easy answers. The easy answer in the middle of our pain is to cut people off. The easy answer in the middle of our pain is to not address them, is to push things down in our heart, and yet they come up later on. See, whatever you actually put inside and grow in your heart will eventually come out. And so when you lament, you allow it to come out to God who's able to actually solve and to work through all our issues. Now, again, our text begins in Psalms 13, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles again, you put your finger, your little uh, little ribbon, whatever you have in your Bible. You have your iPhone. Here we go. Psalms 13, verse 1. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He feels David, in this moment, crying out to God that whatever he's going through is heavy enough for him to feel that he has been deserted by God. And I'm sure you guys have felt like that before, where you feel alone. You feel separated from him. You're like, is this guy even real? I come and I worship and I sing these songs about how through it all, his eyes are on me. But do I feel it all the time? No. And if you're honest, you don't feel it all the time. You don't feel that presence all the time. And so David's in this moment, this place in time where he's feeling the weight of whatever's going on. We'll see what it is down the line, what's going on with him. But he's not only responding in, 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 in like crying out, but crying out to God. He's not allowing these things to be inside of him. He says, how long, O Lord? He addresses the God who controls everything. And he says, how long? Again, how long? Meaning there's a time, there's a process And for some of us, our lament might take a longer time than others. And that's also okay. Some people just be like, get over it. Just be fine. But the reality is some things take longer to get over. And that's fine. That's okay. It's very fine to do so. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was, uh, it was about the age, uh, 2016, I'll tell you quickly. It was 2016. My father had passed away. My father uh, was living in Uganda. If you guys don't know, I grew up on mission in Uganda. And I and my sister, my sister and I were living in the United States. I was a youth pastor at a church in Ventura. And our dad passed away. So dad passes away. We're away in a whole other country, right? And we are broke. Okay, there's broke and then there's broke, broke. We were broke, broke. So no money at all. And our dad passes away uh, from complications because of diabetes, he died because he didn't take care of himself. Like, basically, that's, that was it. The night he, he had a heart attack that led to more complications, he was simply supposed to go get medicine. He didn't do that. So what happens is he has a heart attack, and then progressively over a time of two weeks, he slowly fades away and passes away. Now, we have no money to go back to Uganda, so what happens? Our church family, praise God, right? We have a group of people like you guys here in this space who love each other, who loved us, who poured into us, who decided we're going to pay for you guys tickets to go back to see your father and to maybe be part of the burial. Well, we got there. Our mom had already buried our father, so we never buried our father. And then I was, as being the eldest in the family, end up spending all this time taking care of the things of the house, because of course there's a lot that happens when your father passes away. You have to take care of paperwork and take care of ministry, at least for on my end, that's what was going on. And so I spent two weeks back in Uganda doing all these different things, not really taking note of my emotion, not really taking time to pause or even mourn. Now there's nothing wrong with doing stuff and taking care of business, nothing at all. But I never took the moment to actually pause and to reflect on how I was actually feeling. Nine or ten months later, we're at someone else's funeral, and they're talking about this man and all the good and 
gracious things this man had done for his family and for his friends. And I'm just bawling. I don't even know this person. Like, I'm at someone else's funeral crying like I know the person. Like, I'm feeling all the feels. And I realized in that moment that for all this time, I was actually still mourning. And at that moment, I actually allowed myself to fully embrace my emotions and what had happened. And after that, I felt more free, more whole, more open. But can you imagine nine to ten months? That's a long time. It's a really long time. So I didn't just get over it. For me, it took time. And David's in this space where he goes, dude, how long? We don't know how long it was going on for him. But he goes, how long will I do this? In fact, verse 2 says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He goes, I'm in my head. And so for some of you guys, you live in your head in the middle of all these things. It's not just in your heart. It's also in your head. You're carrying the weight of your emotions on you. And he's doing the right thing. He's not just saying, I'm just going to hold on to it in my soul, in my mind, my will, my emotions. No, I'm going to reach out to God. And we see why he was lamenting. It says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He felt that whatever was going on in his life at that time, there was an injustice that was done against him. Now, whether or not it was justified, we don't know. We don't know. We really don't know. Because sometimes we, we wild out, and then we still get oppressed, and God's like, no, 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 you're just complaining. You need to calm down. But either way, whatever was going on, he chooses to recognize that God was still in control of all those situations. So we can lament over our own sin. We can lament over a broken world. We can lament over, like, even nature itself laments. The Bible says that the earth itself is crying out for you, us, you and I, the sons of man, to return to their original purpose. Like, everything around us embraces this natural form of crying out to God. We can also lament over powers of darkness. But not in and of ourselves, but in looking to God. Psalms 13.2 says, again, how long shall I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? He's being very vulnerable. Now, I don't know about you, but this man embraces one of the expressions of his way of, of lamenting is actually journaling. How do we know that? Because we have, I mean, we have the psalm. Here it is. He spent this time. It's like, dude, like, ah, life sucks. But God is good. Like, that's what he's doing. That's a whole book of Psalms in a nutshell. He spends his time expressing how he's feeling, how he's working through it by writing stuff down. But he's also allowing himself specifically then to be vulnerable. And I think for us, we're really much so like afraid of being vulnerable because our society does not celebrate vulnerability. It doesn't celebrate humility. It doesn't celebrate the person who is willing to lay their life down for the other. It doesn't do that at all. If we make fun of Jesus, facts, let's pack it up. Last week we talked about Isaiah 53. If we kill Jesus, who was humble, like we just read all those scriptures in Isaiah chapter 53. If you guys know where that is, it's in Isaiah chapter 53 in the Bible. Go read it. It's an awesome, awesome chapter. Like if we were able to kill the most humble man on earth, like how much more about our own selves. Like, we don't celebrate that even in of ourselves. We hate being seen as weak. We hate being seen as meek. But yet what happens is when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, it sets us on a path of healing. Once you're real with your boys, you're real with your ladies, you're real with your friends, if they're real friends, if there's a real place of safety, they will come alongside you, they will help you, they will lift you up, they will care for you. 
And verse 3 through 4 highlights this. It says this. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord. O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He goes, Lord, look at me. Consider me. Turn your eyes towards me. He's not allowing his feelings to ultimately like, like, like take over him. He's seeing that in the middle of all this issue that he's going through, this injustice he feels that's happening to him, that there's another reality. But what happens with us is that sometimes we are so deep in our fields, like full Drake. Like, like we're so deep in our fields that we fail to see our reality. We fail to see our reality. We fail to see that God is still there. So he says, God, like, like he's almost saying basically, I'm alone. Verse 1. He goes, God, where are you? But was God ever gone? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in situations where you were worried about something, like you're so caught up, you're in your mind, you're in your fields, you're in your head, and then you realize a few, like, days later, there was no need to worry at all because God worked it out anyway. And then you ask yourself, why was I worried in the first place? Why was I concerned? I was sweating. I was trying to figure it out. And yet God had already had a plan to take care of you. See, God takes care of his own. What I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes, again, we are so deep in our feels, so deep in our emotions that we fail to see the reality. And our reality is not a personal reality. Like, I have my reality, you have your reality. No, there's just reality. There's just reality. If there's multiple realities, then there's, the, the truth is just subjective. No, there's no subjective truth. There has to be truth. For truth to be real, for truth to be objective, there has to be one truth. Not everyone's right. And the reality is that God has always been with us, will always be with us, will always be present. The Bible says he's our ever-present help in times of need. So what is David doing? He recognizes his, his, his need. He recognizes his, his deep sorrow, his depression. He's sad about it. And then he goes to God and says, God, why? Why is this happening to me? Where are you? This is a healthy, normal Christian experience. What happens for us is that we live in this tension where it's, we live between our feelings and our reality. We live in that tension. That's our weird tension. Like, do we truly believe that God is good? Do we truly believe that God will take care of all of our needs? Some of you guys are looking for colleges right now. You've applied, have not got any response. And your thought is, dude, like, I've been praying. I've been trusting God. But God, like, what's happening here? I don't know what's going on. Trust that God, when you don't see his hand, that his heart is for you. This is literally called the walk of faith. And we just think about that. When I don't see, when I cannot see, Lord, I choose to trust you. This is what it means to be a Christian. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, Paul the apostle, the gangster apostle as I call him, is reading this. He begins to teach, right, in chapter 1 of Ephesians. And if you guys ever read anything that Paul has written, he teaches these deep theological truths, and then he begins to pray. He'll teach, and then he'll pray. He'll teach, and then he'll pray. And verse 17, he begins to pray for his believers. And what is he praying specifically? He goes, I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, the Father of glory. What, what is he praying to this God who has all authority, the God of heaven, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He wants you to know who God is, to know who Jesus is. Why? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that your eyes 
of your heart will be opened up. You'll be able to see. You'll have a different perspective on life. You'll be able to see the reality of who God is and what he's done for you. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You know who your, what your purpose is. I know what God has called you to. For me, that gives me great security. Because we have every reason to wig out and to be crazy and to be depressed and to be sad. That's the truth we do. Because this world is horrible. Like, be honest. Think about it. If you turn on the news right now, wars, rumors of wars, people like just thinking about it, debating whether or not they should kill babies or not. Like, this is what's going on. This is our world. If you scroll down your Instagram, just refresh, and I dare you not to see images that will be like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't show that to my mom or my dad. Like, there's just weird stuff going on. This is the world we live in. We're always bombarded with the brokenness of our world. And yet... We have this hope, we have this faith that God has called us to hire and is willing to lead us through all those things to bring us to a place that is secure in him. He reads all these things, he prays all these things. And what hap- what's happening is, is, is that he's having a perspective. Paul is praying that his believers, his friends, his family have a perspective. Not ignoring their pain, not ignoring their suffering, not ignoring their depression, their anxieties, but saying in the middle of all these things, Look to God. And what he's saying is that he has a different perspective. Now, I have these glasses on me that were like, I don't know, 12 bucks from like Amazon. But, right, these are pretty cool. You put them on your face. And what happens is, if you guys have played, uh, what, like uh, Call of Duty and all those games, is that when you get into a space where it's super dark, what do you do? You turn on your, like, night vision goggles, right? What do the night vision goggles help you do? They help you see, Right? They help you see, like, what's actually happening around you. Like, you're being, I know these look a little weird, right? But you're like, dude, like, it was dark before, but at this point, in the middle of all this craziness, I'm able to see the reality. Like, it gives you confidence. And the reality is, is this. You are in a war. You're in a war zone. And your heart is really, ultimately, the prize. And you have an opportunity to walk through this war zone in confidence unless, only if you have the vital lens, the lens of the gospel, the fact that you will never do it on your own. And if you try to work through your depression, to work through your anxiety, to work through all these things, which are real things on your own, you will always fail. That's just the truth. But the beauty of the gospel is this. We don't have to do that on our own. That we have God who understands what we've walked through. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who is unfamiliar with anything we've walked through. He knows it. He feels it. If you've been abandoned, he's been abandoned. If you've been spat on, he was spat on. If you've been beaten up at school, he's been beaten up throughout the whole night. Like, Like he was crucified and even killed. This God understands and knows where we are. But what happens is we have to have the vital lens of the gospel. See, we need the vital lens of the gospel again to be able to discern what is reality. And reality is not subjective. It is objective. It is one truth. In Psalms 13.3, he says, Consider again and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, this is super poetic. It's super awesome. But what is he saying? When you talk about sleep in the Bible, there's like sleep sickness and there's like sleep death. Like this is death. He goes, God, like, I need you to remind me where I am in you, who you've made me to be, what your promises are for me, so that I can move on. 
so I can have strength. Because if you don't tell me that, if you don't light up my eyes, I'm going to sleep a sleep of death. I'm going to fall away. I'm going to be gone. I'm done. Donezo. And so this same psalmist is a psalmist who writes Psalm 23. And so some of you guys have read Psalms 23, or you've heard of Psalms 23, and uh, on a Cultivate Night on Friday, we actually went through Psalms 23, we read it, and wrote it down, and paused, and reflect, and someone else came and read it, and we paused, and reflected, and we wrote stuff down, and we wrote other scriptures that reminded us of the glory of God, who God is, and we used this wall, the God is wall, to write who God was in our life. What are we doing in that moment? We're renewing our strength in God. We're not denying that issues are real. For, for you guys who don't know Psalms 23, it goes like that. It says that the Lord is my shepherd. That he, he, he takes care of me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I want. He takes care of everything that I want. He leads me by still waters. Like he walks me by these paths that are quiet and still. And he goes on to talk about all these different things that he does in Psalms 23. He takes care of us as a good shepherd, as a good father. This is our God. And for me, when I have issues, when I have the weight of the world on me, I think of Psalms 23. And I begin to reflect on the goodness of God. How else are you going to fight this fight of faith? Surely not by having someone's Instagram and hopefully they post something that's Christian. Hopefully someone tweets something that's a little card that I can see and like share my stories. Like you can't, you can't live on that day by day by eating snacks. Like you need a full gone, like, like person meal. And this person, Matt Chandler, is an interesting pastor. He, he talked about how, like, for, imagine a baby. A baby breastfeeding is cute, right? Can we agree on that? Right? A baby breastfeeding is cute. But when you see a 40-year-old man breastfeeding, that's disturbing. Like, in your room, you're like, ugh, what, what is this? The point is we're called to maturity. Like, you cannot expect to walk through this life. You can expect to grow and to, to move on to what God has called us to or to be free from sin by living on crumbs. No, he wants us to go deeper. He wants us to have more of who he is and not have the minimum to get by. Right? He wants us to have all of who he is. Now, what, is, what does David do? And what, what am I calling us to do? To recognize God as our Savior and to trust him to come alongside you. Now, what that means is that you don't discount. We're not discounting a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a therapist. Not at all. Does not discount that at all. There are people who are just wacko. And it's like, dude, why do you think these guys exist at all? Like, these are people who are living and active and, and like, they're working. They're doing a great work for people. Why do they exist? Because there's a real issue. No, God has given us a gift of these people who have those specific skills. The same God can also heal people miraculously. Like, praise God. I'm about that life, right? That happened right now. I'm like, man, I'll, I'll, I'll do that all day. But don't discount one because you favor the other. Don't be biased and say, God, you can only do it one way. No, God is God. Okay? God is God. By definition, he can do what he wants and he will. But the point is coming to him and trusting him so he can do that work in us. He goes again, Psalms 43, 5, we see David. And this is what we're going to do, and I would encourage us to do. In Psalms 43, 5, David, in the middle of the dumps of his depression, of his anxiety, what does he say? He goes, why are you downcast, O my soul? Who is he talking to? Himself. He spends time looking at himself, examining his heart, and he doesn't even know, like, why he's mad. He doesn't know why he's depressed. Have you guys ever been in that situation? You're like, I don't know why I'm so mad right now. 
Like, I don't, I don't just, I don't get it. Like, why am I feeling this right now? And there's no, like, real explanation. This is where David is. And we, we see in this text there's actually no explanation as to why he's feeling this way. Why he's in his feels. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Meaning he has this internal thing going on. He feels the weight of the world going on inside of him. Have you been in that place? I believe you have. I have as well. And what does he do? What he does is this. He goes, I hope in God. He speaks to himself. He's going, why downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil inside of me? Then he goes, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David, instead of allowing his feelings to direct him, he begins to direct his feelings. Now, when I was younger, uh, I had this dream. I think it was about 10 or 11. It was pretty interesting. And I was Spider-Man. Yes. You can be whoever you want to be. I like Batman too, but in that dream, I was Spider-Man. I don't know if Peter Parker was black at that point, but anyway, this was going on, right? I'm in this dream, I'm Spider-Man. I'm swinging through uh, New York City. Never been to New York City, but you know cartoons. Swinging, 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 right? And what happens is I end up going to this alleyway, and in this alleyway, I actually begin to like, get attacked by some bad guys. Again, we're talking about the Marvel Universe, right? And in this dream, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, I was going to get beat up. Like I felt it and I knew it. This was going to happen. It's about to go down. I was no longer playing to be Spider-Man. This is actually going down this alley in my dream. So what do I do? I decide to take over my dream. Now you're like, that sounds weird. But you guys have all done that, I'm sure. Like something's happening. You're like, ah, oh, I have a falling dream. Ah, oh, no, I'm a bird. Like whatever it is, right? Like you're just like, heck no. Ah, oh, Superman. Like, and that's a really like random example. But what David is doing is, is kind of the same thing. He's feeling the weight of this moment, and yet he says, no, 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 no. Emotions, you don't lead me. I'm going to direct my emotions towards God. And he does that. And in Psalms 13, 5 through 6, we see the perfect example as you close out this part of the message as the worship team comes up. It says that David does this. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. He just spent all these verses, one through what? One through four, complaining, whining. Like he's got, like, dude, like, I'm, this is horrible. God, where are you? God, you're real? God, you've been working for me? God, you are for me, not against me? God, you said you take care of all my needs according to your, like, your riches in glory? And he's questioning all these things, but he's bringing them to God. And then he says, yes, all these emotions are real. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And if you guys see that verse, there's a progression. He moves from trusting God to rejoicing in God and then singing. Trusting in God, rejoicing in God, and singing. And the promise of scripture is this. That if you choose, if you make an, a, a real decision, not to discount how you're feeling, to be real with God and the people around you, and you trust God, he says that you will rejoice in who God is. You rejoice in your salvation that comes from God. The Bible says salvation alone comes from him. And then you'll be able to sing. And when do we sing? Or when do we dance? When we're happy. When we're free. When we get good food. You guys have been in a restaurant and people just like, Start dancing, you know, it's like, oh, the food's so awesome. Like, you will be able to rejoice in what God has done for you. But that starts with a lifestyle 
of trusting God. God does not discount our fears. He does not discount our emotions. He embraces them. He's known them. He feels them. But then he allows us to come to him. He opens the door to come to him, to lament, to trust him. And there's this, this, this quote we read on Tuesday. It says, to lament is to taste the tears of heaven. Because as you ultimately, like, humble yourself and say, I'm not going to do this on my own. Like, this is essentially tied to the gospel. That as you choose to not do these things on your own, God has promised to come and to be your salvation. He's promised to be there with you. He's promised to never leave you alone, to be present in times of need. How do we lament? The way David did. We acknowledge our sorrow. Acknowledge that that stuff is going horribly. Acknowledge like where you are really are in your emotions. And two, you turn to God. Turn to God because no one else can help you. Dr. Oz can't help you. That's a random show to reference, but anyway, right? <laughs> turn to God, right? And then the third one, like bring your complaints directly to him. Don't just turn to God and be like, ah, you're horrible, and then like leave. No, no, no. Turn to God and be like, this is why I feel this way. Or I don't know why I feel this way, like David did. And then ask for help. Ask for help. Because he's there for you. I would encourage you. There's multiple ways that are practical for you to lament. One of them might be to use that prayer wall and just write it out to God. God, like, here I am. Or do it in your own time. Have a journal. Write stuff down. Or use our, our wall over here. And then declare. People in that evening began to declare that God is everything. God is Yahweh. God is our champion. God is our strength. God is our faithful father. And other people began to express who God was, not even in in actual words, but in drawing. Like there's drawings on there. And they're expressing. They're crying out to God. They're looking at God. They're looking at where they are and saying, God, you are more than enough for me. I would encourage you not to push back on your emotions, to acknowledge them, bring them to God, and allow him to fulfill your all in all. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to worship over this text and to see that there are many people in the Bible who are like us, who have struggled with anxiety, depression, who have had deep sorrows and griefs and have had themselves hurt. You yourself were hurt. And Lord, you still chose to die for us. You still chose to turn to your Father. You give us an example of what it means to cry out when we're in need. Lord, teach us not to take out our frustrations and the weight of our, 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 our lament on other people. Help us do this well. Help us turn to you, knowing that you are a God who's able and strong enough to care for all of that we need. We thank you and we praise you on all of God's people say, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at Calvary HSM 805. Go live and love like Jesus.